Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Uh, you can see me and hear me daily on this show and also find my work over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me is the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And these are our favorite podcasts to do, Frank. We love doing the post-game pods. Uh, that's obviously the most exciting time to talk about the team, especially when they have a big win uh, like they did tonight. Before we dive into it, today's episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. Frank, I'm loving it. And I'm also loving the Bucks tonight. So this was fun. This was fun. They go out, they beat the Nets 127-104. And, and really, I think the I think the pregame ceremony, the rings, the banner, all that stuff just got you excited anyway and put you in a good mood. And we've discussed the fact that sometimes it's a little bit difficult to know how teams will respond. Uh, The Bucs responded fantastically well, and they blew this game out open and really not quite a a wire-to-wire win, but close enough. Yeah, and um, I don't don't know if I'm sufficiently geared up here. Kane, I, I feel like I feel like I maybe need need something. I don't have I don't have any rings. I don't have any I don't have any bling. But I feel like if ever I was going to break out the uh, the champs hat, yes, maybe some of these. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like tonight is is kind of the night. Um, okay, I'm not going to wear this. This this, this screenshot is going to be on Twitter within an hour, and it is going to be viral. <laughs> um, my my hair is like fully fully Conan O'Briening right now. By the way, as well. <laughs> Um, for, for those on listening on the podcast, uh, good for you because you didn't have to see that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if any of us really knew what to expect from a ring night. I mean, you know what these things generally look like, um, in terms of the actual ceremony, but I think just seeing it, you know, Jim Paschke being back, um, Jim having the I heart Giannis, uh, <laughs> shirt and then embracing Giannis during the ceremony and, how about those uh those 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 warm-ups? I mean, I've got, you know, for those watching, I've got my my Bucks um black uh zip up thing. They had the fully uh blinged out white with gold trim uh warm-up jackets on. I'm I'm guessing we'll see a few of those uh around the state of Wisconsin soon. Uh but yeah, I mean obviously just a special, special opportunity to to I don't want to say one last celebration, but, you know, the last sort of formal celebration of the championship. And as you said, when we talked about it, I mean, there's a there's a fair history of teams coming out very flat um, on nights where they get their rings. And you could tell, I mean, the Bucks enjoyed it. You know, the the seeing the rings, Brooke Lopez just looked so happy. Brooke, Brooke I, I think Brooke may have been the most happy person. Um, he just seemed to be kind of, you know, soaking it up. Giannis, I mean, guys, I think it, it really meant a lot, even though they knew that they had to then immediately go into game face mode and play, you know, the, the team that many think is is the favorite uh, for the championship this year in the Brooklyn Nets. So, just a really cool, 
you know, ceremony and, um, you know, we'll, we'll always now have say that, that we've seen a banner ceremony in Milwaukee and as they say, banners fly forever. I, I don't know, before we get into the game and anything else that, that you kind of took away from, uh, from the, the, the ring ceremony, again, I, you know, I'll probably watch it again, uh, uh, tomorrow maybe just to kind of see if I missed anything, but, um, you know, just cool to see all the faces that we've gotten used to over the past year, including Axel Tupon, surprise, surprise appearance by Axel Tupon, um, showing up and, and obviously just, uh, you know, one more opportunity to formally celebrate, um, the most magical year in, in Bucks history, certainly the, since, since I've been alive. No, nothing really to add. I mean, it was just awesome. I mean, it was just a feel-good ceremony and to have that before the game. And and thankfully, I know I mentioned this in the pod a couple of days ago, but there was some concern, I guess, from fans that they wouldn't be able to get in there. It looked pretty packed, so I hope that everyone was able to get in there on time. And just a touch to the rings. I mean, they're incredible. They are incredible. And And obviously, we saw the different features, and you can unclip this thing and wear it as a <laughs> necklace if you want to, if you don't want to wear the ring. There's a damn qr code on this thing which i didn't even know what is that brings up highlights or something like that but something uh, something yeah when yeah. supposedly like it was Giannis's idea i saw i saw a tweet about this so i mean what doesn't he do what what doesn't Giannis do it was just incredible and and of course you know jim paschke obviously was you know brilliant as we knew that he would be uh running the ceremony and i thought Giannis's smile when he went down to give him a hug was uh was a pretty beautiful moment so it, it was just awesome and then we go across to the game. And like we said, I mean, the Bucks, you know, the first couple of possessions there, they missed a couple of shots. And you're like, okay, well, I'm a bit of a rusty start. We'll see how this game shakes out. And I really thought that the moment that this game, that the arena was set alight and all of a sudden the Bucks found their energy, that sizzling touchdown pass from Chris Middleton to find Giannis, he dunks, James Harden fouls him. And by that point, the Bucks had skipped away a little bit. Of course, Giannis had a massive block on Nick Claxton as well. I don't know whether that was a shock to you. It certainly was a shock to me that they started Nick Claxton in this game. Clearly, the Bucks beat up on the Nets in the postseason in offensive rebounding and on the glass in general. To me, it felt like it was probably a counter to that. It didn't work. The Bucks were dominant physically early in this game. And really, Giannis set the tone. I think he had 13 points and eight rebounds in the first quarter. Not a bad start. Yeah, I mean, and, and this was not really a, an efficient scoring night for him. I mean, 12 out of 25 is is poor by his standards in terms of shooting from the field. Um, but, you know, as you said, it kind of early, a, a number of those were kind of volleyballing the ball, uh, getting his own rebound, um, getting some, some offensive rebounds uh, off his own misses. So it didn't really necessarily matter too much, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he came out very quickly, hit a three in the first quarter as well. Um, and, you know, again, I, I mean, I thought they actually did an okay job of, of kind of keeping him from just bullying them too badly, especially over kind of the, the after the first quarter. Um, but, you know, as we've seen, I mean, Giannis, like most great players, he's a problem solver. And, you know, when you th- kind of play two big men, um, when you, you know, try to bring help on him, try to collapse on him, he's just really smart. And seven assists tonight did get to some late turnovers. We ended up with four turnovers, but I thought he generally played very under control. Um, hit seven to nine free throws. So, you know, I'm making the cross pointing to the heavens for those not on the live stream. Um, that was obviously great to see him looking confident with uh, with that new short and free throw routine. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the MVP was the MVP basically and um, certainly set the tone early with, with the way that he was playing. And, you know, it was sort of one of those things that I, 
didn't the Nets start over five from three? And then I think at one point they were 11 of 19. And I think they finished 17 out of 32, I want to say. I mean, it, it was kind of funny because it felt like they couldn't make any shots early. And then they went absolutely on fire for the remainder of the first half. And, you know, they were out shooting the Bucks in the field and from three. And, you know, even you look at the the final numbers, they, they end up shooting the ball very well from three, 17 out of 32, 53%, right? If you had said the Nets are going to shoot 53% from three, would you have guessed the Bucks, you know, win this game by by 23 points? No. Um, but other than that three-point shooting, and, and again, the Bucks held their own, 17 out of 45. But, man, the possession game obviously really swung in their favor. And, you know, kind of as, as you're alluding to, the Nets going big clearly was presumably meant to counter, you know, what we saw from the Bucks throughout the playoffs, but including that Nets series where they just got extra possessions on offensive rebounds uh, and really hurt teams down low. But, you know, you look at the net result, um, plus eight in the paint, 42 to 34, not a great paint uh, points in the paint night from the Bucks, but they held the Nets down uh, only 39% on two pointers from uh, the Nets tonight. And, I mean, the rebounding, as you mentioned, 25% offensive rebound rate for the Bucs. That's right around where they were last year during the regular season. I mean, not great. They were right at 30% during the, the playoffs. Um, but 89% defensive rebound rate for the Bucs is terrific. And especially when you consider the fact that, you know, you were not very big for large portions of this game. I thought the Bucs did a great job of, you know, again, protecting the rim. Brooke Lopez was great around the basket. His box score does not do justice to how well he played protecting the rim and the paint. Um, and I thought they swarmed really well. And you never felt like even with those bench lineups that they were like too small or that they they couldn't defend, which is saying something because, I mean, this was a night where both two-way guys <laughs> ended up playing, you know, minutes in the first three quarters when the game was still competitive. So um, definitely they had to go deeper than they wanted. Drew Holiday, unfortunately, leaving with a heel contusion after a really good start. Bud said after the game that he already had had an MRI that came back clean. So you cross your fingers that, you know, he'll be back hopefully by the next game or maybe just out a game or two. But, um, but yeah, weird, weird game in a, in a lot of respects, just based on the number of guys that we saw. And I'm sure we'll talk about some, uh, some performances from some of the complimentary guys that, that were very welcome and, but maybe not expected. Yeah. I think the depth part of this was, is, is super interesting moving forward because I think we've spoke about the fact that we think that this team is deeper, but I don't think that we would have anticipated or hoped that they would have had to go that deep on opening night. It was kind of funny to see both of those uh, two-way players uh, play. Now, uh, we know Giannis loves his smoothies or his shakes, and and maybe he wants to go to McDonald's after this game. He, we know he has no problem with going to get some fast food after a big win. And this episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group. I never had a study group in my whole entire life, but they, they can go there because they know they've got dependable Wi-Fi. I've definitely used the free Wi-Fi uh, at McDonald's. So win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place where you look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Uh, did someone say Locked on Bucks watch party? I'm loving it now. By the way, I'm I, I, as as someone with a three and a half year old, uh, the Happy Meal is oh. a rite of passage for every road trip we go on. And I, I'm a big I'm a big chicken McNugget guy. I and, and a strawberry shake. Oh man, I, I don't usually get a strawberry shake. That's like a special treat. But um, strawberry shake, chicken McNuggets, 
you are kind of making me hungry right now. But so, but but enough with the ad read, uh, Kane. I, I feel like I've I've given enough organic plugging of of McDonald's. No, you're a McDonald's but, fan. That's fine to know. But I, uh, I'm also I I, I'm also a fan of sleep. And <laughs> do you know what makes LeBron James King James sleep? That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle muscle in your body, and you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. And by the way, he loves his naps. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you'll get a 40% off Calm premium subscription with calm you have access to nature scenes lebron loves like rain on leaves rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories meditation so you can be ready for any challenge that life throws your way for a limited time our listeners can join lebron in using calm and get a 40 percent discount on a calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on my content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash locked on nba that's calm.com slash locked on nba uh McDonald's and sleep drink. What are what are combinations? As we roll through this, you mentioned Drew Holiday, and this was significant at the time because if you were just and of course you you hope that he doesn't spend an extended period on the sidelines. As you said, the MRI looks like it's come up clean. But just for this game in general, you're looking at this and saying, okay, well now you've got James Harden in the second half. You don't George Hill will play, but you're looking at the depth and you have a number of guys out already and it did produce some interesting lineups there was a lineup towards the back end of the third quarter where i think thanasis was almost the five you had pat conan out there uh george hill jordan Wara. so i saw some comments about the lineups i mean honestly you just had to improvise this was kind of what we spoke about on the preview podcast where i said that mamu kalashvili was the backup big but it didn't necessarily mean he was going to play i just think at this time you see that Bud has more trust in Pat Connaughton and these guys. But I also think, as far as guys that stood up, Pat Connaughton was excellent. He had 20 points. But the, the caption I've got here is Jordan Wara doing stuff. And I saw that you tweeted about it, Frank, because I wouldn't say that Jordan Wara is normally a player that we say he's doing stuff. We say he's scoring. He's getting buckets. And he did do that. And the 15 points was certainly handy. But I thought he hit the glass. He had that nice steal in the first quarter where he kind of just ripped the ball out of, I think it was Millsap's hands, laid it in. Uh, he had a block on Durant. It was kind of like, it was almost like a strip block, but he was just doing different things, Frank. And listen, this is what they've been talking about all preseason and the types of things that I think are going to help him continue to get minutes when the Bucks hopefully get some of these players back. Let's acknowledge, I mean, this was really the first time Jordan War has gotten extended run when the Bucks were not just basically playing, you know, the second unit and they were resting all their main guys. I mean, you know, he had a couple of opportunities, like I think like the Sacramento game last year in California where he played a little bit of, of real rotation minutes. But for the most part, I mean, he's he's never done, seen minutes like this with the Bucks. at least I, I hesitate to say full strength, but but with Giannis and Chris and and those guys in a competitive game. So for him to come out and, you know, again, he was very good generally in the preseason and for him to translate that and come out. And, you know, a lot of ways, I think maybe drew being hurt was, was almost easier for him because it meant that, you know, he was going to need to have the ball and he was going to have to make some plays. The shot he hit that little floater 
um, that he hit at the end of the third quarter, you know, was a really big shot to to put the Bucks up 12. It had gotten cut down to eight on a on a Joe Harris three, but they came back and get a couple of buckets um, right there before the going into the fourth quarter. And after that, it really wasn't, you know, they they extended it from there at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think just for him to come out and be able to find a rhythm off the bench, um, as you said, a little, little quieter start, but he gets that rip um, to get a layup uh, early on and then kind of grew into the game as it went on. And again, six out of 13, 15 points. I mean, this isn't like, you know, a nuclear Jordan war game or anything like that. Um, you know, I Which think you worry a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, I think you worry a little bit, you know, in terms of like his his overall efficiency, given he doesn't really draw fouls um, and he does settle for a lot of, you know, kind of tough mid-range twos and kind of step back twos, you know, his efficiency probably will not be, you know, great or it, it will be maybe sneaky, not great because of just his shot selection, but him hitting three out of six threes. Um, and again, a couple of those were spot up looks, you know, nets don't get back in transition and, and he makes them pay. Uh you know, it was just obviously a really, really nice debut for him um, for the season and and for him to basically say, like, yeah, you know, the, the stuff I was doing in the preseason, um, I'm, I'm ready to translate it. And, you know, again, uh, Shemi Ojale hurt, Rodney Hood hurt slash invisible when he played in that one preseason game. You know, those guys are going to have to prove that, you know, they deserve to play over a guy like Jordan. And, um, you know, certainly a, a really good start for him. And, Hopefully this is, you know, again, it's, it's the first game of the season. You don't want to overreact, but he's been building to this. And he obviously has a skill set that, that I think works well with, with the rest of this lineup. And I thought, you know, you mentioned that the block. I mean, to me, that was maybe the highlight of the game. I mean, there were a bunch of cool plays. But for, you know, Giannis kind of got, um, kind of took a, took a step the wrong way. Durant yanked him at the top of the key. And, and Jordan and uh, Durant's going to the rim. And Jordan comes over. And, you know, I'm ready for Jordan to get just posterized. But... <laughs> He comes up and kind of, you're, you're right. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, at the apex type block, but I mean, he was jumping and got Durant sort of as he was going up. Um, thankfully, no whistle. The refs saw it was a clean block and then it it heads the other way. And I think it was Grayson Allen that then hits a three-pointer on the other end. So huge momentum play. And, and again, you're not expecting Jordan to be a lockdown defender or something like that. But, you know, he got, there were two straight possessions where he was on Durant. Durant settled for, uh, a three that he missed and Jordan contested reasonably well and one in the next one, Jordan got yanked a little bit, but then there was some help and, and uh, Duran, I think missed, missed a layup. Um, so, you know, and then he also had a, a possession against Harden, you know, so, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire, like he, he definitely had to, to be, you know, present defensively. He wasn't just hiding all game long. Um, and, and it wasn't like the, the nets were really like hunting him per se. It was just, organically that he had to match up with Duran and transition things like that. So, um, so yeah, just a really nice start for him, something to build on and, you know, we'll see what happens with Drew, but certainly if, if Drew's out, um, you know, Chris Middleton, who just quietly did his thing tonight, Chris was, you know, marshalling the offense for most of the second half. Um, they're going to need people that can create, you know, create shots off the, you know, out of, out of pick and roll, um, one-on-one, especially if Drew is, is going to be out for, for a game or two, hopefully not longer. And obviously that's something that, that Drew really has, uh, or sorry, Jordan really has a skill set for. And so, um, so yeah, good night for, for Jordan Wara and, um, fun to see him doing stuff and, and making a difference in a game that, that matters, which, you know, we haven't really been able to say so far. Yeah, and I did tweet during the game and I said, look, I think he's a rotation player and, and Eric, uh, Eric name guilted me into deleting it. He's like, what are you, what are you, what are you like playing to the crowd, playing to the crowd? Well, first of all, I was talking about Rodney Hood and 
um, you know, potentially Thanasis, as you sort of pointed to, not necessarily Dante DiVincenzo. I think he's still got some work to do to obviously solidify that spot in the rotation moving forward, but he certainly throws the challenge up to to a guy like Thanasis or Rodney Hood that he's going to be battling for minutes. I thought Thanasis tonight, he played 12 minutes. He also found himself in that position where he had to defend Harden on a few possessions and, and you know, to his credit, I mean, I think that would have been automatic foul last year and he defended him on multiple possessions without Put his hands I mean, behind his back. Yeah, he did. There, he did. And, and, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough when you're put in that position to defend Harden. Uh, I thought Harden did a lot of complaining tonight, but not necessarily, uh, he didn't necessarily get the results that he usually gets with the whistle, which was pleasing to see, I think, uh, from our point of view, watching him play. And honestly, Durant was pretty good. You know, he, he, got, he got his points. But for the most part, in the first half of this game in particular, it was the little Australian, the pesky Aussie that was keeping the Nets just within striking distance. I mean, they were down double digits, but Paddy Mills was the guy who was keeping them involved. And, and everyone that listens to this show long-term knows how much I love Paddy Mills. But the man was seven for seven, scorching hot. I thought it made sense that you don't start him. I don't think you need to start him alongside Harden and Durant. But uh, no doubt they needed him tonight because this Nets team in general, and it's only one game, we're not going to overreact to it. But there's a lot of guys that are playing tonight that you're like, I don't know whether they're going to trouble too many good teams. There's a lot of old bodies out there. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I I assumed, I mean, we, I don't know if we, I think we talked about it. I mean, I think they started Bruce Brown um, yeah. with Blake at center in the last preseason game that they played as well, which is, you know, we, we got used to seeing that combination during the playoffs last year. And I think Bruce Brown, you know, again, the interesting thing is, you know, playing Claxton um, allows Brooke to really hang back, given that Claxton isn't a shooter. But the irony is, even if you start Bruce Brown, you know, we saw them put Brooke on Bruce Brown for extended periods last last year and basically just tell Bruce Brown, like, go ahead, shoot threes if you want. Um, so it's a little interesting because as much as much depth as the Nets theoretically have, um, you know, Aldridge we didn't really see him doing much of anything around the perimeter um, as far as, I mean, I don't even, I don't, I don't think he took a three tonight. Um, he kind of struggled to really take advantage of some of his, his size mismatches that he had. And I mean, he was over two. Um, Chris Middleton was, you know, slapping the ball away, finally got a foul call and then he missed both free throws. Ball don't lie. Huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aldridge didn't really look very dangerous. Um, Paul Millsap plays five minutes and just kind of looked old in those five minutes, you know, um, Again, it's early in the season. Yeah, one game. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see kind of what any of this means. But but yeah, I mean, that was sort of the irony. It, was you, you kinda, it feels like the Nets are, are much deeper this year, but obviously you take Kyrie out of the equation. I mean, otherwise they were healthy tonight, but you look at the bench, um, Petty Mills scored 21 points, 7 out of 7 from 3, 0 for 4 on 2s. Everybody else, uh, Cam Thomas had two free throws in garbage time. He was 0 for 2. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge had one point and... and um, James Johnson had one point. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, not really, uh, not really a shining night for, for the depth in, in Claxton, you know, he had 12 points on nine shots, but it, it felt like they really had to, I mean, Harden was really trying to get him going at one point. He, they got him on an and one and Harden like looked to the sky as if to say like, thank heavens, we finally got one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, it was, it was interesting. I mean, I think the Nets have, have talent. I'm, you know, yeah. they clearly have, I think enough talent to, to win a championship. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if Millsap, you know, it's kind of like the, it's, it's, it's not as extreme as the Lakers. Right. But, you know, you look at Millsap and Aldridge and you kind of like your tendencies to think like, oh yeah, Aldridge coming back. Like that's a really good get for them. And, you know, 
Paul Millsap? Oh, they have Paul Millsap, you know? Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, it's a long season. I wouldn't read too much into one game, but, um, you know, what do those guys have left? And and also just, you know, especially, I mean, Aldridge was made his, you know, his meal ticket was as a scorer. I mean, what is he going to be like as sort of like a, a bench piece guy? You know, uh, I think Blake Griffin has adapted well generally to kind of his complimentary role. Um, and he wasn't great tonight, but, um, but I don't know, we'll see. And and the fact that they tried to play big and it just didn't work at all tonight, I think certainly, you know, is, a, is an encouraging sign for the Bucks because certainly throughout the playoffs last year, that was one thing that, you know, nobody could just play big with the Bucks basically, right? They, they just really hurt teams on the glass, um, hurt teams with their size, hurt teams in transition um, all of last season. And, you know, again, tonight, 20, 21 to 15 fast break um, benefit tonight. So not like a massive benefit, but, you know, 21 fast break points tonight, um, 123.5 offensive rating, 101.2 defensive rating, which is terrific. I mean, again, still amazing that you could hold the Nets down to to that type of offensive performance when uh, when they shoot that well from three. But again, it just shows you, you know, as, as much as we say that the game now is, is so much about three-point shooting, there's still a lot of other <laughs> components to it, to winning basketball. And I mean, the Bucks are probably the, the best example, right? Given they won an NBA championship with without really being able to shoot consistently throughout the playoffs. Yeah. So just the last note on the depth. I mean, they are deep in terms of the names that they have, but they're kind of all the same type of player with Blake Griffin, Millsap, Aldridge, Claxton, Bruce Brown. It's like, well, what are you, you going to do with all those guys? So we'll see. James Johnson. James Johnson. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. how. Gian- uh, by the way, Gian- Giannis, Giannis, like the first touch he had against James Johnson, he just took him baseline real quick and got up for a quick layup, which. I was pleased to see just because I think probably a lot of us remember when James Johnson and Hassan Whiteside were in Miami against like the younger, not quite as strong and mature Giannis. I mean, that combination probably caused Giannis more problems than like any defensive duo that, that I think maybe he's seen in the NBA. Um, I was not sad to see those guys leave Miami, uh, even though they're not exactly like great players, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, James Johnson, it's like, if he's not like a really plus defender and we'll see, I mean, maybe he still has something left in the tank and he's always been sort of fairly switchable, but you know, offensively, like he's like a dribble handoff guy. who's not really stretching the floor. I mean, they definitely have some names, but, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see like who from those guys that actually pans out in terms of earning minutes and, you know, do some of those guys eventually get Deandre Jordan, right. <laughs> and just, you know, like end up not playing at all in the playoffs, which of course is the irony last year, Deandre Jordan gets the honest assignment for basically all the regular season. And then the playoffs come around and he literally doesn't get off the bench. So I don't know, let's just say, I don't think we saw, you know, all of Steve Nash's cards tonight in that regard. Yeah. James Johnson and Hassan Whiteside definitely used to make Giannis sweat back in 2017. And I think Giannis worked on his game, but I think he also uh, got in touch with the people from sweat block. And uh, we're talking about sweat block wipes here today uh, for a few weeks we've been talking about sweat block actually these are the wipes that stop sweat for seven days and it seems like people have been listening we have friends of locked on who've tried sweat block and love it so uh listen uh, we're gonna bunch of examples this is a success a success story here about an avid soccer player he heard us talking about sweat block and he thought it was too good to be true but he was always the wettest guy after practice and games like soaking wet so he thought he'd give sweat block a shot he tried it on his pits the next practice, his pits were dry while everything else was wet. I guess he should uh, – oh, I'm not reading that part. He says he didn't have to reapply for nine days. Now he's a true believer. There you go. Lockdown listeners are simply loving sweat blocks. So you can stop excessive sweat for seven days per use. If you are someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. 
uh, at or at Amazon or CVS. And Frank, if you ever needed any further evidence that I don't read the ad reads before we are live doing this show, then you just got it then because I was feeling increasingly uncomfortable as I was reading it. I am very, very uncomfortable. Uh, let's... Was, was that was that Nick Claxton? Uh, was that Giannis on Nick Claxton play? Was that a sweat block? Uh, we, we may need it. We may need. We may need to get like a sweat block of the game or something like that. Can, I'm, I'm can right. Run that up the flagpole, Kane. We'll see if we can maybe get get you some extra. You know, little little extra on the side for uh, for going going a little sweat block, little little uh, little more stuff there. But anyway, I'm I'm, I'm just going to try and compose myself and, and finish the last second of the show after that. One guy we haven't spoken about, Grayson Allen, uh, become, you know, a By the way, we, we, we also need to talk a little, we mentioned him, but we also, after Grayson Allen, we need to talk a little bit more about Pat, about Pat Connaughton. <laughs> we can't take Pat Connaughton solely for granted. But yes, let's talk about Grayson Allen. He's a new face. He just got the extension. Let's yeah, talk about him. We're talking about the new faces here. And let me just say, I was listening to Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton on the podcast yesterday. And Zach Lowe mentioned Pat Connaughton as one of the sneaky, underrated contracts in the NBA. And I was laughing thinking about the conversations <laughs> we had. Uh, Pat was great tonight, 20 points. Still the best cutter on the team. 20 points, 20 points on 13 shots. 20 points. Like, I, I, and I said this, maybe he, maybe he had his three-point percentage become more consistent. Maybe Pat still has some room to grow as well in this system and this role play. I'm not saying he's going to get you 20 a night, um, but he used to be looked at or viewed at as an inconsistent shooter and an inconsistent player. And I think last year we saw him become, you know, a, a really, really consistent contributor with this team. The new face is Grayson Allen. The stats I have up here, oh, well, actually, I've stuffed up this graphic. I already spelt uh, Giannis' last name wrong at the start of the show, and I had to edit it on the fly. And now I've just got three-point attempts. I meant 10 three-point attempts. So By the way, do do we really need to put Giannis's last name in a graphic on this show? Do people do people need to clear need need clarity on which Giannis we're talking about? You know, come on, you don't have to do that much work, Kane. It's I was trying fun. I was trying to show off that I know how to spell his last name and I failed, so mm. I, I guess it was just a big big we, mistake on my part. But you we, learn these lessons. So Grayson Allen, ten three point attempts. Uh, Giannis spoke to her in the preseason at times. He had conversations with him. You got to shoot this shot. You got to let this fly in this situation. We want you shooting. He got off to a bit of a cold start. Got some great looks. Yeah. Missed some early attempts. But I loved it. I loved the, the looks he was getting because if you see Grayson Allen generating those types of shots, you're going to like it through the course of the season. He didn't lose his confidence. He knocked some down. And the six assists, I almost didn't really notice it during the game, but just looking at the box score after, it's a nice number. Yeah, I think it was it was more, you know, ball movement rather than, yeah. you know, him yeah. like creating running a bunch of pick and roll, right? Although yeah. th that one play, that, that kind of side pick and roll where he took a handoff and Brooke rolled to the rim and he kind of threw it over top, to, to Brooke for a dunk that, that was really nice and and again I think you know again I mean tonight he was the de facto point guard at times in the second half just because of the Drew absence and and George Hill having some foul trouble um I don't think you obviously want to plan for that although he did that I think a bit in college uh but but yeah I mean again I think somewhat like Dante just in the sense that you know he's got certainly good size if he's out there at the point guard spot and he can bring the ball up the court he can you know get you into your offense and and again I think I, I think he's a little bit more dangerous um, as a pick and roll guy than than Dante, just because of the the shooting and, and finishing, um, just being a little bit more reliable. But but yeah, I mean, as you said, started off nervous. Um, I thought, you know, I, to me, I was most interested in in kind of what he looked like defensively. Uh, he was guarding Joe Harris, so he, you know, Chris. We talk about Chris on KD, um, but 
you know, he basically Grayson ended up slotting in for um, Chris last year. Chris was on Joe Harris. PJ was obviously on Durant. Most of that series, they kind of flip flopped it with Grayson essentially slotting in for, for PJ now here to start the season. And I mean, it's, it's really difficult, right? Cause they put, you know, Joe Harris into dribble handoffs. They put him into screening actions, small, small screening actions. And so, you know, you're make that they, they clearly wanted to make Grayson Allen have to think and make quick decisions. You know, is he going to hedge and recover? Is he going to try to chase Joe Harris over a screen? Is he going to try to switch? Um, you know, it wasn't always like, especially early on, like, I don't know that they, he got really got punished a lot for it, but it was clearly, you know, a little, there were definitely some nervous moments there. Um, and I thought, you know, again, though, as the game went on, I thought he held up fine. I think that's going to be the big question, you know, when you think about the playoffs is just, you know, again, what does he look like defensively? Can he be competitive enough? Um, again, as I said last night, I'm not worried about him being more competitive than Bryn Forbes. This was a, I say an encouraging night on that respect. And probably the best example was James Harden gets him on. I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was a switch or what it was, but James Harden gets him in the post and, you know, Grayson ends up poking the ball away for a steal. And, and again, he's not going to do that every time. Um, physically, you know, stronger guys are going to be able to, to get into him and, and take advantage of him a little bit. But, you know, I think all you can ask of these guys is that they're, you know, competitive. They use, you know, in the case of Grayson, Dante, Pat, they use their athleticism um, as best they can on the boards, um, as well as just, you know, challenging shots and things like that. I mean, like he got stuck on a switch and, you know, had to try to stop Nick Claxton on a roll to the rim. I mean, obviously he's not going to be able to do, do much in, in a situation like that, but, you know, overall, a very, a very fine, uh, okay start to his career. And he was obviously on the floor for a number of those runs where the Bucks were kind of breaking it open and hit, hit a couple big threes in that regard. You know, and end of the night, he's second on the team in plus minus, a plus 23 in, in 28 minutes, 10 points. It's those six assists, two steals, um, no turnovers, no fouls. So, yeah, I think I think you'll take it. But early returns from the Grayson Allen contract looking looking just fine. Yeah, and he was actually the player that paid off the Jordan Wara uh, block strip, whatever you want to call it. He was down the other end, got down in transition, knocked down the three, and it was pretty much party time at that point. Frank, I, I got to get to work. I got to get back to work. We, we, I, I could talk about the defense. We could talk about Chris Milton, who at the end of the night, you just casually looked up and he had 29 and, and three and f- three or four assists, whatever whatever that number was. He just did Chris Milton things, hit some tough shots. Uh, Pat Connaughton, as you mentioned, was interesting. There was, there was some... Uh, defensive stuff that uh, I think was interesting in the way that on the other end of the floor, the Nets wanted to switch everything. The Bucks seemed very comfortable with that. And particularly a guy like Chris Middleton, there was a couple of times there where he uh, had a bigger guy defending him and he sees a Javon Carter, for instance, and he's like, listen, Justin Robertson, you just just stand here, pretend you're going to set a screen. I'll get the switch onto Javon Carter and then knock down a, a turnaround jump shot. So the Bucks looked pretty comfortable in that regard. Uh, before we wrap it up, though, I do have to thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. We're in the season now. We're in the throws. The Bucks head to Miami. They've got a road trip coming up here. Um, so we're with you every single day. So we appreciate you guys uh, listening. Frank, a, I, 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 I still thought, I just want to say, I still thought there was an outside chance that I was going to get on Twitter today and you were going to be in Milwaukee. You were going to be in the arena somehow, a last second, a last ditch bid to get to FISO Forum for Banner Night, but even watching from afar, this is a cool day. Yeah, it was a really cool day. And I, I have to I have to add just as we're going out, Chris Milton, I thought, you know, taking the challenge against KD. I mean, yeah. KD obviously got to his spots. You're not going to do a whole lot about it, but yeah. 13 out of 25, 32 points. 
I think you can live with that, right? And and again, I, I think um, he Chris generally competed well. Uh, and again, you'd love to still have PJ Tucker to throw at KD, but I think Chris, you know, acquitted himself pretty well just in general, competing, you know, for the most part, you know, being being a stand-up guy, doing what what needed to be done. And for the most part, it's nice, you know, Pat Connaughton. I'm not worried when Pat Connaughton gets switched on to like James Harden or Kevin Durant now. I mean, again, are they like great matchups for, for those guys? No, but, um, but I think again, we've just sort of seen so much from these guys over the past few months going back through, through the playoffs that, you know, we've seen them put in the reps and, and be able to compete in ways that, that you need to do in a championship. So, um, you know, I think we can talk a little bit more about the tactics um, next time. But uh, I thought it was a really good, I thought it was a very emblematic night in the sense that there was a lot of switching, especially when obviously Brooke was off the floor. Um, you know, Mamu hung in pretty well against James Harden and then got two just step backs knocked in his face, which is like, what that happens. I, step thought, back. I thought he was fine. I thought he did everything yeah. he could. Giannis did have the same thing happen to him. <clears throat> um, but I thought it was an interesting combination. A lot of switching um, when they were small. And I thought generally it kind of worked reasonably well. And then I thought Brooke was great when they were just, when he was in, they were playing their zone drop and, you know, they competed well and really gummed up the interior. So pretty, pretty classic bucks, I would say, or at least classic new bucks um, relative to what we, what we saw over the past few months, the formula, um, you know, formula still works. Not a bad way to start, start your championship uh, defense. 82 and R is still a possibility. Uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, in Miami, but we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back post-game against Miami as well as we start to roll through the regular season, get back in the swing of things. So we appreciate you guys listening and uh, joining the show. And I'm sure you all had fun watching the Bucks tonight beat the Nets 127-104 uh, for Frank and myself. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.